if you have the sermon notes page that should have that little handout tonight you'll see there on the front side a couple of questions that we want to read uh, together responsively uh, we have uh, this past calendar year in our second service been using the Heidelberg Catechism uh, as a guide to help us know what it means to be a Christian and we're in the third part there's three parts knowing the greatness of our sin and misery uh, that's the shortest part the lengthiest part is knowing the greatness of God's grace in Jesus Christ. And then finally, we are to know uh, how we should be grateful to God for his redemption uh, of us from our sins. And so to know what it means to live a life that pleases God, we have focused our hearts for uh, quite a while on the Ten Commandments and all the duties and all the, com all the commands to love God and love neighbor. And then now finally, the latter section uh, on the Lord's Prayer. So tonight we want to focus our hearts upon uh, the little petition at the beginning, the first petition, uh, Our Father who art in heaven. Uh, the preface, I'm sorry, the preface of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven. So question 120, I'll read the question if you would say with me the answer uh, on that uh, top of that sermon notes page. So question 120, why has Christ commanded us to address God as our Father? To awaken in us at the very beginning of our prayer, what should be basic to our prayer? a childlike reverence and trust that through Christ, God has become our Father and will much less refuse to give us what we ask Him in faith. Then will our parents refuse us the things of this life. And then secondly tonight, question 121, why the words, who is in heaven? These words teach us not to think of God's heavenly majesty in an earthly way, and to expect from his almighty power everything needed for body and soul. You can turn your Bible as well. We're going to just uh, look at a couple of passages from Matthew's Gospel, chapters 6 and 7. So just have your Bible open uh, with me, if you will. Uh, and uh, just to say at the outset that prayer is our human response to the God who has made us. And so prayer is a universal uh, human response uh, to God or to, as we know, gods, some divine beings. But prayer is a universal human response. And this has been the case since ancient times. In Genesis chapter 4, after the fall of Adam and Eve and after the list of the sons of uh, Cain and then the sons of Seth, there is this beautiful passage that tells us for the first time, uh, explicitly at least, uh, that in those days people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Genesis 4, verse 26. Prayer has been a universal and ancient response to God. And all throughout the scripture, of course, we see this. Uh, we, we see this with Father Abraham as He's journeying throughout the promised land, and every once in a while he'll set up an altar, and then he will call upon the name of the Lord. That's a way of saying that he prayed, uh, he worshiped God. We saw this morning in a, just a couple of quick glances in uh, Exodus chapters 33 and 4, where Moses interceded. Moses prayed to God face to face as a friend would speak to one another. Moses there prayed so beautifully. Uh, David, of course, prays, and we see most of his prayers in the Psalms. Uh, the Psalms have other authors, and we see those beautiful prayers. We sang one just a moment ago, Psalm number 62. 
uh, the prophets, Jeremiah, for example, and his lament or lamentations, five lengthy prayers in the book of Lamentations, and Daniel chapter 9, uh, where he defies the, the rules of uh, Nebuchadnezzar, and he prays uh, aloud to God uh, with his door open, Daniel 2, that is, uh, and Nehemiah, after they came back from exile, and they dedicated themselves to rebuilding the temple. All these beautiful passages chronicle for us throughout the ages that God's people have prayed. It's a universal ancient phenomenon of responding to God, uh, the God who has made us. But there's nothing quite like the Our Father, Paternoster, Pater, Hemon. Nothing like our Father who art in heaven. And we learn here a couple of things. Uh, I want you to see here tonight just two quick points uh, that this prayer, our Father, is a prayer of intimacy, very closeness. And then secondly, it's a prayer of simplicity. It's a prayer of intimacy uh, and a prayer of simplicity. And you see that there, first of all, uh, where our answer tells us, and we'll look at a passage here in just a second, but we're told that this prayer is to awaken in us. At the very beginning of our prayer, uh, what is most basic to our prayer? A childlike reverence and trust that through Christ, God has become our Father. And we have in Jesus' teaching the Gospel of Matthew, chapters 6 and 7. Notice in chapter number 6, where the Pharisees are praying in a certain way, and Jesus instructs his disciples to pray in another way. Notice in Matthew's Gospel 6, beginning at verse number 5, and there Jesus says, and the parallel is in Luke 11, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. The Pharisees prayed as a performance. They prayed as a performance publicly. But Jesus goes on to teach us uh, in this prayer, when you go into your room, though, uh, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and notice, pray to your Father who is in secret. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Notice the contrast. Praying publicly as a performance, really as a sort of performative arts. Lots of words, as he goes on to describe. They disfigure their faces as they fast and pray to look so spiritual and holy. They dress differently. But prayer as a performance versus prayer to a person. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is in heaven. He's telling them, that they are to pray to be heard by God, not men. Notice again, verse number seven. When you pray, do not keep up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they, uh, 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 for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And so we pray not to be heard by others outside of us, by our neighbor, uh, by our family members, uh, by the world. We pray to be heard by God notice. So not as a performance, but to a person, not to be heard by men, but to be heard uh, by God. John Calvin said uh, in his comments on this passage that uh, we are to, uh, that we are to look for 
for a corner, not for a crowd when we pray. Look for a corner, not for a crowd. It's important for us in our, in our age. People do, are doing all kinds of things as a performance, and people want to be seen. They want to gain more followers so they can monetize their YouTube channels, and they can uh, go on Twitter or X, whatever it's called now, uh, and they can perform, uh, and they can show off. But you, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, be heard by God. Look for a corner. Look for a corner, not for a crowd. Look for a corner, not for a crowd. And notice as well, this prayer of intimacy, Jesus, when he tells his disciples how to pray, he goes on to say there, verse number nine, pray then like this. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus says, pray this. So in, Luke, uh, in Matthew 6, prayer, the Lord's prayer is an example of a prayer. In Luke 11, the Lord's prayer is the prayer. So pray like this, Matthew 6, pray this. Luke's gospel, chapter number 11. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. How does he not say to pray? How does he not say to pray there in that little, in that little petition, our Father in heaven? What is he not saying? He's, not, he's saying not just praying to God. He's not saying there, pray to the Creator. He's not there saying, pray to God who is Almighty. And in fact, notice he doesn't even say, pray to the Father. We talk in our theological terms about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, in somewhat of, a, of, of, a, of an impersonal way to describe the person of the Holy Trinity. But notice that. He doesn't even say, pray to the Father who is in heaven. But how does he say to pray? Our Father. Notice. Notice the personal pronoun there. Our. Our Father. And so Jesus speaks of praying to God as a Father because that should evoke in us, as our answer says, this, this childlike reverence for and trust that through Christ God has become our father. There's this childlike father-son or father-child relationship. Now, of course, lots of us didn't have the greatest dad, and so the, these words uh, might seem a struggle for some of us to swallow, but we're speaking here of the ideal father-son relationship or father-daughter relationship, father-child relationship. When you pray, you, you pray to your heavenly Father in, in the greatest of ways, in the most ideal of ways, in the most personal of ways, to this God who hears you and who wants to hear you. So he says, speak to your Father in your room. He hears. He already knows what you're going to ask. He already knows what you need. He's already planned how he's going to get it to you, but the Lord asks you to pray nonetheless. So notice we see this prayer of intimacy then uh, it's illustrated in the contrast between the Pharisees and, the Pharisees and disciples. Uh, it's illustrated in this ideal relationship of father to son. It's granted to you and to me in the gospel. Praying to God, the Almighty, the Creator, as Father. Notice, not as judge, but as Father. This is granted to you in the gospel. 
in the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that answer from our catechism points us to that very thing when it says that uh, the, the, uh, this, this thing that should be the most basic to our prayer is this childlike reverence, like a, like a little child looks up to his or her father, his or her parents, uh, and trust that through Christ, God has become our father. We can only pray to God as, as God or as creator, as almighty, even as the father, if we're not saved. Everyone can pray in those kinds of words to God and whoever that God might be, but only the believer in Jesus Christ can come to that God who is creator, who is judge, who is almighty, and call him our father. That's the most basic thing our catechism says. To know that God, through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who has become our Lord Jesus Christ, so that we as sinners might go back to God and be sons and daughters too. That's only granted you in the gospel. Amen? The gospel grants you the ability to pray to God in a very close way, again, as Calvin said, in a corner, just you and God, like Moses in that tabernacle or in that little tent of meeting, face to face as a friend. Face to face as a friend. Look for a corner, not for a crowd. And then secondly, we see here that this prayer is a very simple prayer. Our Father. It's a prayer of simplicity. And again, it's contrasted here in this uh, description. Uh, I should have said the Gentiles. The contrast between the Gentiles and the disciples. When you pray, again, verse number 7, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. Empty phrases. Baralageo is the Greek term. It's, it's an onomatopoeia. It's, uh, you know, when we, when we say the word bang, what do we mean? When we knock on someone's door... Why do we say the word is knock? Because it sounds like a knock, doesn't it? We say the word bang because it sounds like what? Bang. It sounds like bang. That's what it sounds like. That's a word that sounds like what it is. And so uh, Jesus says here, don't pray like the Gentiles who, who babble. I think the old King James even says babble. Empty phrases. Baralageo. They think that they're going to be heard by their many words. Notice that. But the prayer that Jesus gives is the prayer of simplicity. Our Father. J.C. Ryle, another uh, great author, said that the Lord's Prayer is so full, yet it's so simple. So full, yet so simple. They thought that they could flower, use flowery language and use many words to distract God or to impress God or to get God to give them what they wanted to show off to their neighbors and and to the world, to get what they needed from God. But Jesus says something else. Notice in Matthew's Gospel 7, at verse 7. Again, a very familiar saying of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, verse 7 and following. He encourages his disciples and us. He says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. The one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, 
will give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give you good things, uh, give good things to those who ask him? Notice that, how simple. Ask, seek, knock, praying our Father, knowing that he will grant the things that we need. Your Father who is in secret and who sees in secret, the fa- your Father who already knows your needs, he will grant them as we pray this prayer of simplicity. And there's this confidence then that the Father will give us what we ask. Notice that confidence. So when when you pray, what is your confidence that God is actually going to hear you and actually going to give you what you need? What's the confidence? Why are you confident? Why, Why should you be confident in prayer? Because the Father hears His Son, right? And the Son is promising us that the Father is going to hear us, you, me, too. This confidence that the Father will give to those who ask, seek, and knock, and who pray to Him as our Father, my Father, uh, in the name of His Son, Jesus. And so here in Matthew 7, it's interesting that uh, Jesus says uh, there in that last verse, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will uh, your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him, good things. And we can sort of plug in all kinds of things that we might need. But in Luke's gospel, Luke sort of fills in the blank of what are those good things? Really, it's what is the good thing? There's one thing that he's speaking of, Jesus. So in Luke's gospel, chapter number 11, if you turn there, you'll see there at the end of that very same uh, passage, the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says, when you pray, say this, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Uh, etc., etc., and and then he gives the exact same illustration, uh, the exact same encouragement, ask, seek, knock. Verse 13, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, notice the comparison, the contrast, how much more will the heavenly Father give, notice, not good things, but give the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Confidence is that the Father will hear us because of His Son, Jesus. And because of His Son, Jesus, His work for us, His death, His resurrection, His ascension, and His pouring out of the Holy Spirit, He will grant to us the Spirit, which is and who is that one great gift, the greatest of all. So when you pray, you're not even sure how to pray uh, as you ought and what to pray as you ought, as Paul says in Romans chapter 8. We can simply pray the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer, and trust and ask the Lord to give us the Holy Spirit to help us in all of our needs. And we are confident He will. Now, this simplicity, though, isn't simplistic. That's what that question 121 helps us to grasp as well. Uh, when it goes on to explain the meaning of the second little clause about our Father who is in heaven. Our Father, who art or who is in heaven. These words teach us not to think of God's heavenly majesty. Notice that. In an earthly way. In an earthly way. And to expect from His almighty power everything needed for body and soul. 
God in his almighty power, notice, in his heavenly majesty. We, we can speak to him so closely as a friend, as Moses, our father. We can speak to him such confidently because of Jesus, his son, our Lord. And we know that he's our father and he will give to us the good things, the Holy Spirit especially, uh, that we need. And we can pray to him. We don't need to, uh, to impress him. We already, he already knows what we need already anyway. Just ask him. But then we also realize that our Father is also this heavenly, majestic, almighty God. He's not just a father, not just a a dad, like we would think of a dad as a frail human being. No, he is our heavenly Father. Don't think of his heavenly majesty, although you can speak of him in very simple ways, and although you can speak of him in very intimate ways. Don't think of him as this sort of simpleton, this bad dad. This weak dad who, who overpromises and who underdelivers. No, he's the Almighty God. His Almighty power will give everything that we need for our bodies and our souls. And we expect that notice. We expect that. Why? That's what Paul says in Romans 8. If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, if God is for you. In his son Jesus, who can be against you? Who can be against you? Nothing, no one, no thing. Nothing can separate you from his love. And so, brothers and sisters, pray. Pray to your heavenly father. Pray very simply. It's all you need to do. Pray very personally, very intimately to him as your father. Doing so, trusting in his son Jesus. Relying on him to give you the Holy Spirit. Amen? Let's go to the Lord together and spend some time in prayer tonight. If you have that order of service, you can follow along.